This is Around the Rim with LaChina Robinson. Hey, basketball fans. It's LaChina Robinson. Welcome to your ESPNW Women's Basketball Podcast, Around the Rim. And this is a special edition because I am away, but there have been some big happenings in the WNBA, in particular an altercation that happened in Phoenix involving Brittany Griner, and a lot of conversation has evolved from there. So we want to discuss it on our show. Myself, your host, our co-host, Deborah Peters, two-time WNBA champion, will join Rebecca Lobo, the Hall of Famer, is going to give her take on the situation in Phoenix officiating and beyond. And, of course, our fantastic and fabulous producer, Tarika Foster-Brasby, so sit back, relax. If you want to share your thoughts, you can hit us on Twitter at Around the Rim Pod. You can email us at Around the Rim Podcast at gmail.com. Um, and we're going to share some of the thoughts that we gathered from Twitter. You guys hit us up. And at the end of the show, we're going to share some of that. So a lot of varying opinions on what's happening right now in the W, the punishments, the officials, post players. We're going to address it all in this episode. So, enjoy. Close game down the stretch. They pulled within five points, but you had a monster fourth quarter. How did you show up for your team in the fourth? Just keep playing through the fouls. All the dirty plays that us post-line face every night, we just keep playing through it. You know, we saw a fight the other night. There's a lot of physical play this year. How are you able to do that mentally and withstand all the pressure? It's very hard. I felt that in my soul last night, what BG went through. The referees went undersized post players, guards do whatever they want to us. We get harassed every night. I walk away with slaps, bruises all over my body every night. It's not fair. Stop trying to suppress our talent. BT and I would have 30 points every night if y'all called the game equally. If not equally, it's disgusting. It's horrible. And that's what happened. Last night is an image of where the WBA is headed if y'all don't fix it. Thanks, Liz. The voice that you just heard was that of ACES Center Liz Cambage with our ESPN's Holly Rowe, who on Sunday addressed uh, a situation that had happened the day before on Saturday while during the Mercury Wings game, a fight or a scuffle or whatever you want to call it, broke out uh, between Brittany Griner and Kristen Anigwe, which after a 10-minute review by the officials led to the ejection of six players. BG, Dana Tarazi, Breon January, Kristen Anigwe, Kayla Thornton, and Kayla Davis. Now, it appeared from the video that Griner and Inigui got tangled up. Uh, clearly, Griner wasn't having it anymore. A scuffle ensued from there. Uh, Diana Tarazi came off the bench to settle her teammate down. Uh, BG practically chased Inigui down the court. Um, it, it was a whole ordeal. And on Tuesday, suspensions and fines were handed down where Brittany received a three-game suspension. Inigui and Thornton got two games. Diana and Kayla got one game and a $500 fine for leaving the bench area. And Dewana Bonner was fined $500 for escalating the incident. So this is a conversation that we definitely felt was necessary here on Around the Rim to discuss and to help us kind of navigate through this this entire situation. We have ESPN's women's basketball analyst and Hall of Famer Rebecca Lobo, uh, two-time WNBA champion, and our co-host Devro Peters, and of course, our host, LaChina Robinson, joining us, ladies. So, Rebecca, let's start with you. Uh, what were your thoughts? Uh, you were in Phoenix last night. You also were in studio uh, to talk about this game during the, the Connecticut-Vegas game in which that interview took place. 
What were your thoughts on the suspensions, on the incident that happened, and, and most recently on BG's comments? Um, well, you know, it's, it, I don't think it's an isolated conversation. It's something that we've been talking about um, for a lot of the season. LaChina and I have had this conversation, just how um, fewer fouls were being called this year. And it, and it was noticeable watching games and calling games that there was a lot more contact in the post um, or even guards getting in the lane, uh, taking shots at the rim that weren't being called. And, and it was something that was noticeable. And in a weird way, I think the first, reason I noticed it was because calling games, games were so much shorter than they've ever been. You know, they're going an hour 45, an hour 50 minutes. We're used to games going two plus hours. And then if you watch the games more closely, all right, there's a lot of stuff that's not being called. Um, and, uh, and so I think this was a little bit a product of that. I, I agree with Brittany Griner in that watching her over the course of her career, I think she Liz Cambage and Sylvia Fowles in particular because they have bodies that are very different from other women in the WNBA that they are, um, they absorb more contact without getting calls. Um, and so, so when this happened in the game, of course, you know, everyone is talking about it. You don't ever want to see anything like that. Um, but I think there was a lot leading up to it. That was a very physical game. A ton of fouls were being called. Um, but I don't think it was isolated in that game. I think it was accumulation of what was happening over the season. Dev, let's go to you. Um, same question. What were your initial thoughts in uh, from from this entire situation? Uh, I definitely have to agree with Rebecca. Um, there's definitely not been as many calls this year, and like she said, it's been very noticeable. Even like watching the games, you see how much faster they are um, and how much longer gameplay goes on without – a stoppage of play because there aren't as many fouls. Um, <clears throat> but I agree, those three definitely take a lot more hits um, than anybody else in the league. And it's not like it's just, you know, them complaining about it. Like, refs have admitted, you know, like you're bigger. Um, and, like, to even it out a little bit, the bigger players are going to take more hits. And um, I don't think that it ever should get to that point um, because they're already getting beat up as it is. Um, and I, I agree with BG, like you have to protect them at some point. At, at some point you have to draw the line. And from, you know, what I was hearing that this wasn't um, a singular game incident. This had been happening for a while, especially between those two, um, between uh, BG and Enigwe. This is something that had gone on for a couple games. And it also had been brought up, um, which is concerning to me, that it was brought to the rest attention that, um, there may have been a little bit more going on, and then they still let it get to this point. Um, so, I mean, I think that it's something that should have been handled, and especially in this particular situation, it, it could have been dealt with before it even got to the point where it was a fight because we all know BG, who, who BG is and how she is. Like, she's never one to back down from a situation like that. Um, and so at, at what point do you draw the line and say, okay, this is enough? Yes, we want the game to be faster. Uh, we want it to be more exciting, maybe more physical. But at some point, you 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 have to protect the players, like BG said. Like, and that's that's not fair to them at all. Lachina, let's go ahead and get you in this. So I, I agree. You know, Rebecca was commenting that we had had this conversation before. Um, the numbers and the research. Um, I think is it her hoop stats, Rebecca, that came up with those yeah. numbers regarding fouls yep. per game and all that. So. 
the numbers support the argument that the whistles aren't being blown as much. People aren't getting to the foul line as much. And you can't even say that that's like per foul per play because you also have to think about being in the bonus, like the fouls that get you into the bonus. So, um, you know, my thing is this. I, I've We've all known Brittany Griner for a long time. In, in my opinion, Brittany is not the kind of player that's going to try to instigate a situation. She's a kind. She's 6'9", but she's like the most gentle 6'9 you're ever going to come across, right? Like, I think we can say the same about Phil. Like, players that just, even though they have big bodies, their temperament is not that they're going to try to get into any kind of altercation. I think when you have players like Anigwe with her style of play, I would throw Glory Johnson in there. Um, players that are just a little bit, I call it wild, honestly. And I know Rebecca and Deb, you guys have played against players that just flailing arms, you know, elbows out, like that type of player. And I don't, I heard, overheard this. I don't know if it's the case because I didn't look at the box score, but that Anigwe had not even been in the game very long when this happened. So it's not like, there was a bunch that happened in that game. Now, that goes back to Dev's comment about BG. I guess it was the August 1st game against Connecticut. BG said to the officials, hey, y'all might want to watch this because they had had some history. Now, with that comment being shared with the officials, I think it's been the officials' job to make note of that, not just for that game, but for future games against those two players. That was my only my only gripe with the suspensions is that I think that because I do think that if you look at it on paper and everything that happened, BG should have gotten at least one more game than everybody else, just because it was the chase. I mean, she was basically pursuing an altercation, but I think because she did alert the officials earlier in the season, that that showed that she was trying to take precaution that she knew that, you know, their interactions may lead to something. And it showed a lot of, in my opinion, maturity on Brittany Griner's part. Uh, now, I don't know if there's a, some kind of pipeline for how that works once those comments are made to the officials, but there should be. There should be something of note. And not to say that they have to blow their whistles extra, but maybe they just, you know, pull them to a side and, hey, once you see things happening early. But, okay, so that's one thing. My other thing is that I don't even know that I really still understand everything that went on. I don't know about y'all, but did you feel like you had a good view, like with the cameras that they had available of exactly what took place? Because some people are saying that Anigwe punched her, and then some people are saying that she was just tied, they were just tied up. Do you guys feel like you got a good look at that? I felt like she punched her. (laughs) And it didn't look like a tie-up to me at all. Um. There's a couple of points I want to respond to that Lachina made because I was able to to watch um, some of that August 1st game, and that's the game where BG said to the official, you know, watch watch us because you know of what happened in the in the game prior to that. And there was a, an instance um, where Anigwe flailed a little bit, got BG in the chest. BG responded like with an elbow, and then a little bit later in the play. Um, Anigwe's coming down the lane. BG really gets her good in the chest, and BG gets called for a flagrant. Now, did she deserve the flagrant? Yes, but should the initial foul earlier in the play have been called on Anigwe? Yes. So already, Brittany, in in response to something, um, is the one who gets penalized. So just keep that in mind when you're going and looking at um, 
the footage for, for what transpired in the fight. It's really hard because, as all, all of us know, when you're doing a local telecast, you're really limited in camera angles because there's only a handful of cameras covering the game. So the only angle I saw, um, I think it's the same one everyone saw, which is the, the game angle. And it looked like Brittany Griner in a natural um, box-out move, you know, put her elbows and arms up. And when she did that, part of her arm connected with Inigwe. Now, the Dallas people will say that Brittany Griner hit Inigwe in the face, and that's what instigated it. I thought it was just a normal, regular box-out move. And then Inigwe kind of grabbed her arm down, and then it kind of looks like it's a slap at the face, but because of the angle, it's hard to tell. Um, but to, to LaChina's point, I think it is important to understand what happened in the prior game. Now, in terms of the officials, what's hard, because if you have a conversation with an official, they'll say, We're, we can't officiate what we think might happen. We have to officiate the basketball game that we see. So even if a player tells them, you know, watch what might be going on here, you know, they can't really officiate that way. I mean, it, it can give them a base of, of you know, context, I suppose, but it's hard, I guess, for them to then say, we can't officiate what we think might happen in this circumstance or that circumstance. We can only officiate what we see. I don't know that I necessarily agree with that because as a player that has been called for many a fouls, uh, they officiate based on who players are, right? That That's absolutely true. And I think that players, like, that are wild, like LaChina said, like the Inigues, like the Glories, they are fully aware of what they're doing with their limbs. It's not like they're just flailing around and, oops, oh, I did this and this and this. They're aware of what they're doing. The rest of the league is aware of what they're doing, and it happens on a consistent basis. So that's my issue with that. So if you bring that to uh, uh, rest attention, and they know who – everybody knows who these players are. We know who the players are that flare around and make – supposedly accidentally catch somebody with elbow. We know who the players are that flop and like to fall all over the place. Like we know these things. So I, I kind of have an issue with that because I feel like if it's something that has happened and there's a player that it consistently happens with, and it's, there's an interaction with a, other, another player and it's happened on more than one occasion on one more than one game, that's something that you have to look out for. And you may not just be like, beforehand trying to call something, but you have to be completely aware of what's going on because we all know what, like, we're all basketball players. We know what's going on. So all these players know who to watch out for. And we know when we're playing a certain team, like, who's going to be the one that's, oh, okay, we got we to gotta watch out. You know, make sure you cover your face. Make sure you get out the way if they start doing that crazy stuff. Like, we all know this. So why aren't the refs taking that into account? That's my issue. That's fair. Yeah, and I and I do think Dallas is one of those teams that's gotten a reputation for being very physical and a, a little bit wild. Um, but I agree also that they're individual players. I'll say this too. This has probably been a year, and this is just in my observations, where I feel like officials aren't having enough conversations throughout the game with players. I'm not seeing a lot of warnings. I'm seeing technical fouls happen. Like, I understand that the officials don't want you disagreeing with their calls, but at the same time, there has to be an education or a back and forth, even with the coaches throughout the game, where it's like, okay, you may call a technical foul on the player, and then you have a conversation to say, okay, this is what happened, or this has to stop, or whatever. I'm not seeing those types of exchanges. And even from going from watching NBA season, which I know is very different, the, co- the, the the officials, as much as they don't want to, they'll stand next to a player and take an earful 
and then have a conversation or give some kind of feedback. I think that is important throughout the game because even players just sometimes want you to hear what they're saying. And if they're not saying what's correct, then correct them on, on why you made the call. But that's really our only time throughout the season for players, for coaches, and officials to, to help each other to understand why things are going a certain way in the game. And, um, you know, I, I remember doing a PowerPoint. Rebecca, I don't, I don't know if you remember this, but um, and it may have been when I was actually with a college team, but they were talking about humanizing the officials, right? So, like, having interactions even with us before the game, shaking hands with the officials, learning their things, you know, them coming over and communicating calls to us during a game. Like, those kind of things are important. And I think those interactions have to happen within the game as well with coaches and players. Now, one one more thing I wanted to get y'all's thoughts on, um, and I know we got to wrap up this conversation, is BG's comments about her future in the league. Like, she's saying, well, if the WNBA isn't going to protect me, then I'm going to go play overseas and forget about this. Is that just her in the heat of the moment? Is there some validity to that in terms of players wanting to protect themselves, protect their images, um, in their opinions, if the officials aren't going to? Like, what do y'all think about that? Um, I think that the thing about the thing about the players uh, in the W that I think is great, but also can be like the demise of the W, is that a lot of the players play in the W because they want it to grow and they want it to be better, not because they have to. Especially when you have bigger players like BG who are making a ridiculous amount of money overseas and probably would prefer to have their summer off and take a break. I get it. I completely understand. And like as somebody who has been screwed over by the league multiple times, I completely understand not wanting to fight for it, something that doesn't take care of you in return. Um, I mean, so I think she's valid in those feelings. I think it just sucks that, you know, you constantly have a, have to fight and, and for something that like you want to see do well and you want to make better, but in return does not take care of you, whether it's from like, you know, just anything from lifestyle to, the games were like literally making the right calls and not allowing these situations to happen. It's hard to continue to fight for something that doesn't fight for you in return. And so I I think it's valid that she feels that way. And I I wouldn't be mad if she didn't want to play, like, because there are a lot of players that, I mean, they would love to have two months off and just relax in the summer and then go overseas and make their money. But a lot of players just love playing for the W and love um, being able to create something more for these players that are coming up. But at some point, something got to change. I think there's a couple things here. At first, um, I don't see any reason to not take VG at her word. Um, I'm sure, you know, when, when we were talking with her yesterday or before the game at, at shoot-around and she was having this conversation with Holly Roche, you know, she absolutely stands by those remarks. Um, you know, but she is a, a unique in that there's, you know, not a – it's not like most of the women in the WNBA are making seven figures overseas. You know, Brittany is, is one of a handful probably of people bringing in that kind of salary. And I think what the women would truly like is, is not to play over there and get their summers off. They would like to play here, but for a wage that allowed them to then take, you know, however many months off um, here in the state and play in the States and, and be able to, um, make, you know, the living that they want to make by only playing here. I think that would be, um, that would be the perfect world. You know, I, I, I'm hoping that, um, you know, since Brittany said these things and since she's such a big and important part of the WNBA, 
um, you know, you, you would hope that, you know, the, the new commissioner that Kathy Engelbert has said, all right, I'm going to fly to Phoenix. I'm going to meet with Brittany Griner. I'm going to say you clearly and many of the women in the WNBA have a real affection and affinity for their franchise and then at the same time have a distaste for the league. And how can the league, um, what do they do? How can they make the players have the same kind of affectionate um, affection and loyalty and affinity for the league that they have for their individual franchises. And hopefully in the collective bargaining agreement and all the negotiations that happen, there is a way that, that, that can become a marriage because that's what really needs to happen for this league to succeed. It's for, um, you know, whatever the, the things, salary and otherwise that the players um, feel like they need and deserve for, for, for that to, um, you know, for for the players in the league to, to come together and, and resolve that, um, you know, is what is going to make sure that we do have a league. Because, I, you know, I grew up at a time when there wasn't one. And, and you know, Deb, you talk about, you know, players wanting to play um, because they want there to be a league here. Well, that's really, really important. As a, a mother of three daughters and a son, it's really, really important that the players still understand that piece while at the same time fighting for all the things that, that they, um, they deserve and feel are fair. Great sentiment shared by both of you guys. A lot of conversation is still be had, but I think we've addressed some things that at least through the CBA or through official relationships um, and even through, you know, a, a recently retired player's voice like Dev, people understand um, both sides of the argument, we probably should have had an official on this podcast. We'll I know. I don't know that they got both sides on this one. This time. <laughs> yeah, we, <laughs> yeah, we did not get both sides, um, actually. So we'll have to work on that for the future. But I, I do think with, with both of you guys having been post players in this league, um, there is something that's concerning about what's happening with the bigs. And I don't know if it's because the eyesight of the officials or because the game is just more athletic and physical and the bigs or I don't know, but – um, thank you guys both for, for what you've given to this. Uh, any final thoughts on what we can do to help this moving forward? Dev just said send a list in the, the people that are acting wild. Got it. All right. So, <laughs> hey, Lashana, Lashana, I want to throw in one last thing. I know we're go- we've gone long, but I want to throw in one last thing. Sure. And that yeah. is BG to get three games out of a 34-game season is a pretty high percentage um, considering what transpired. But it had to be, you know, that because the baseline is you leave the bench and you're suspended for a game. Maybe that baseline needs to change. Maybe instead of you leave the bench and you get suspended for a game, maybe if you leave the bench, you only get suspended for half a game. And then if a player is, you know, escalating something, then instead of getting two games, they only get one game. Just based on some NBA um you know, some of the punishments we've seen on the NBA for fighting, the, the percentage of games and therefore the percentage of salaries that the players miss um, might need to be addressed. And I think it all starts with that baseline punishment. Maybe you don't get a full game for simply leaving the bench during an altercation. That's a good thought, Rebecca. And, and to your point, I'm assuming, and we hadn't even brought this up, that players don't get paid for those games they're suspended. Correct. Okay, not. just to make sure that's clear. And I and I like that because, in all honesty, it was going to take a whole bench. Brittany Griner is 6'9", and, and, it, and it seemed like it took some of those people, some of those voices like Diana um, and others coming over to, like, calm her down. Like, 
I, that official was not going to really have an impact on anything had people not left the bench. I don't know if 6'9", Brittany Griner was going to be able to be, you know, if they were going to be able to get her under control. So that's and, and something I else to think about. And, and I, again, I know we need to be done, but I'm going to bring up one more thing because it's important. Earlier in that game, that was a very, very physical game, the entire game with Dallas, very physical first half, tons of fouls were called, very physical third quarter, not a ton of fouls were called. I think I don't know if it's the third quarter or fourth quarter, but there was a, an instance where Kayla Davis ran into Brittany pretty hard. I don't remember if she hit her in the, in the face, but anyway, ran into her really hard. And Brittany, and the play was stopped, and Brittany kind of put her arms around Kayla and talked to her in, almost in a way of like, come on, what are you doing? And she completely diffused the situation. So, you know, when we talk about BG and, and what happened then later on in the fourth quarter, I think it's important to see how she handled a similar situation earlier in the game. She handled it perfectly. Um, and so it's not, it's not just, you know, yes, she's been involved in a couple of these things, but I don't believe that it's the character of Brittany Griner. I didn't, I don't, I thought she was valid in most of those times. So you know how I am, y'all. So I don't, I don't, I mean, that wasn't a shot at BG at all. <laughs> no, 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 I, no. I was just wondering your opinion overall, not because of any comments you made previously. I was just wondering know. You know, your thoughts since you played against her. Yeah, no, BG is a sweetheart. She's one of like, like you said, her and Phil are like some of the sweetest people ever, but she's also not one you want to try. So, I mean, Enigua knew she ran. <laughs> so, so many people have seen the footage of, of this, and, um, but they didn't see any other um, action from earlier in the game. And, and if you watch that game, I think it just puts this into a much clearer context. Dev, hmm? I'm interested, like, did you, when you were playing and, and watching Sylvia every night, did you feel like she was absorbing more than most people in the league had to? Absolutely. Yeah. I know playing against her, I was hitting her way more than I was anybody else. So, you know what, sure. Dev? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't get that I don't get uh, hit back though because she loves me so <laughs> it's okay but I think my question is like and I'm glad I'm, I want to ask you guys this because obviously I've never played in WNBA before but like when there is an onus on the league to like fix the problem I'm I'm not sure that I 100% understand exactly how are they to do that is there some recommendation as far as like an officiating punishment, if that makes any sense, or like a mandate or obligation to call so many different calls for players. Like, I don't understand exactly how the league itself is supposed to handle these kinds of situations. I think, I think they just have to make the calls to be honest. Like glory gave me an elbow almost every game. She never got called for it. I, I actually got a text for her elbow me in the face one day. Like, we all know Glory does these things, but they don't call it. They have to make calls, like, period. Right. I mean, I get that from the officiating, but I mean, like, above officiating. Is there something that, you know, in, from an executive standpoint, that can be done to, well, to ensure? The, and I think that's the kind of, like, the, the, the question that I had. I just wasn't sure, like, what exactly outside of the officials themselves can be done. Like, I know the, well, the after, NBA kind of started this whole two-minute report thing where they're, like, go over what was called or wasn't called and kind of, like, try to correct the wrongs. And I'm not even sure that that is helpful. But, I mean, I'm just one, I was just curious as if, like, if there was some recommendation from an executive standpoint to kind of help re- remedy this. 
Well, I think, like, the, the officials after every game, they're reviewed. You know, the head of officials or whoever watches the game and reviews all of their calls. But, I mean, it was evident last night. There were 48 fouls called in the game last night. And I was just doing it earlier today, you know, because her hoop stats, you know, the per 40 minutes or whatever. Before the fight, there were like 33 and a half fouls being called per game. In the nine games since the fight happened, there's 39. There, the officials have clearly been told, we need to clean this up. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think we're going to, I don't think it's going to really even out or kind of get back to a even keel until we get, you know, the last week of the season. But I think we're in for a lot of really tightly called games in the next couple of weeks. Oh, well, for sure. And I've had a, I've had like talked to some people, and they've had official come, officials come up to them and say, "I'm sorry, like I, I missed that," or like, "Oh, I shouldn't have called that tech actually in that game early in the season." Like, I'm like, "What do you do with that?" You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, "Why?" You know, if they know enough to say, "I'm sorry," or "I missed that." Like, that's not enough for a player in the heat of the battle. That's not enough for a team that feels like they were one or two calls away for, you know, winning a game. Like, what happens beyond that step? And and thanks for admitting that you were wrong, but that doesn't even the box score. That makes it worse to me. (laughs) I don't want to know. You know you made a mistake. Don't tell me. (laughs) Right. Just keep it to yourself. Well, thank you, Rebecca. We appreciate it, man. You're the best. Uh, thank you, guys. Sorry, I got a, lot, a little long-winded today. It's all good. It was good. We needed that. We definitely needed to flush this out. So thank you again. Our fans had an opportunity to also weigh in on the situation, um, as well as Brittany Griner's comments. In the Arizona Republic, Brittany Griner issued this. How they handle this will determine a lot about the future, because how can I fight for some league that doesn't even want to protect their players? So we asked you on Twitter, Around the Rim fans, to weigh in. And so these are a few of the comments that we received in in how some of our fans felt about what BG had to say. This one comes from Terrence L. Hayes. As I've expressed with other fans of the game, the league needs to think big. We need players only in the WNBA. Fans want pre- and post-game shows similar to that on TNT with Kenny, EJ, Charles, and Shaq. Stars deserve their own signature shoes. My daughter needs to see this. So let's be clear. When the WNBA stars begin to express discontent, the league has a very real problem. BG is right. I say that at each Washington Mystics game. If this was the NBA, players and stars would be better protected. It's well past times these these athletes were treated equally. Friend of the podcast, Megan Hines at Meg Shine states, I understand what she's saying. A lot of post players get banged up. It's normal, but not right. Refs never call it when it comes to them at all. Grumpy Moms at Jill E underscore 1979. I don't blame BG or any other player for questioning whether they want to continue playing in this league. They put up with a lot from the crappy travel to poor pay. That they all continue to do it for the love of the game amazes me sometimes. Mike Mast 44. At Mike Mass 44 says, the three game is ridiculous. Simple math. It's almost 10% of the season. Ever see an NBA player get eight games? I'm a season ticket holder for the Las Vegas Aces, and I see Liz get banged and beaten constantly. No calls. And then gets a ticky-tack call against. Simply put, the officiating needs to improve. Gosh, at My Ice is Black 04. I'm with BG, but in the same breath, 
I hope she knew that she would get games after overreacting on the court. The league does need to protect the players and paying them more and all, but they also need to discipline their players when they're wrong. And they did a fantastic job with this one. I wouldn't have been upset with the decision if all players had received three games, but BG clearly escalated things though. If the initial altercation happens and then she backs off, then I'm with you 100%. Last one comes from Jeffrey Newholm at Jeffrey Newholm. There seems to be a book out on Griner based on how tightly refs makes calls and are quick to go to the monitor. I sense she is tired of BS bad management and downright hostility. Whether her grievances are real or contrived, the W better listen because they are setting a precedent. Thanks, guys, for everyone who continues to weigh in on this conversation and those who have previously weighed in on this conversation. You can find us at Around the Rim Pod using the hashtag Around the Rim. I am at she knows Sports underscore. Our host, LaChina, is at LaChina Robinson. And Dev, you can find at Mrs. Peters 14. You can also find Rebecca on Twitter as well, at Rebecca Lobo. Thanks so much, everyone, for weighing in on this conversation. Continue to follow us, support us. Continue to speak out. We love to hear it. Uh, and until next week, guys. Thank you for listening to Around the Rim. Check out more podcasts from ESPN on the ESPN app.